Good man. Welcome back to Liffey Sound 96.4 FM. Our phone number is 087-062-7138. Again, the big kickoff, 96.4 at gmail.com. And on Twitter, the big kickoff, one. Okay, in the studio today we have Declan, is it Mar? Uh, yeah, that'd be the right way to pronounce it. Mar. Yeah. <laughs> not, not the way I get it in America, but yeah. What, what, what do you get? Is oh, it? no, Miyagor. Mr. Miyagi. Who is a professional gambler and runs his own website, learnbetwin.com. Declan, welcome to the big kickoff. Uh, thanks, right. Listen, before we get into the ins and outs of the professional gambling, what's your first memories of gambling before like, you ever went into making a living from it? Um, I don't know. I'd say probably betting on the Grand National or something like that when I was growing up I think did you I, I remember when I was betting on the Grand National it was here's fiver going back whatever horse you want and yeah. you won 50 quid and you thought you were a millionaire then at 7 years of age or 8 years <laughs> of age that's probably looked down on now you're probably not allowed to do that anymore you know, not allowed to do much anymore. you're not allowed to do much anymore. it's a very PC world yeah uh, when you started gambling putting bets on at a legal age obviously uh, did you have any sort of superstitions or, or, or like were you, were you very sharp from the start um, no I wouldn't say I was sharp from the start when I would have been betting it would have been the same as what most punters do now like or you would have been losing um, you would have been losing money you wouldn't have been anywhere near the the research and the stuff put into selections then it would have been you know based more on Hunches. Yeah, it wouldn't have been that uh, solid. Like, and yeah. as well, back then, there wouldn't have been the opportunity to make money as they say it would be now. Like, okay, it was easier probably back then. You were only betting against odds compilers. Yeah. Which is good, whereas now they have the likes of Betfair, the betting exchanges, like to guide them price and stuff. So they kind of just copy them rather than have their own opinion, which kind of makes it harder to beat. But at the same time, the margins are a lot lower now than they were if. If I was to start gambling, like if you were gambling, say thirty years ago, the bookies would be betting to much bigger margins. Yeah, kind of like their profit, um, over a hundred percent, like which would be if you backed everything to get back the same amount, kind of thing. Like, yeah, so it would definitely have been um, harder that way. So, like we have a good these days for punters because there's so much choice that there wouldn't have been around before. You have all the betting exchanges the book is competing with each other yeah. so it's a lot more uh, competitive and it's, it's so easy now as well with online so there's yeah, a lot yeah it does make it a lot easier for them to track you though yeah in that they back in the day bookmakers were bookmakers now they're not really they're just all they, they want to minimise risk and maximise profit and they're not interested in taking you on so to speak like so they'll close accounts much quicker now than yes. what they what they would have done in the past right. and it's a lot easier as well because Whereas before you had to go into a betting office or, or go to the track to get a bet on and they would be taking bets in those kind of um, scenarios. Now it's most people are getting their bets on online and it's very easy to track people and like, you know, they'll track stuff on your, your computer and stuff. They know like you can't just have an account to close and get your girlfriend open one up on the same laptop with the same Wi-Fi. Like it just, they, they know. they'll have a track straight away. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, so what did you work at beforehand and how did you make the transition into professional gambling? Well, um, I worked for, I worked in horse racing for... Um, I did uh, the leaving cert then. I wasn't... Um, I never put much effort into school right. study and stuff. So I did um, a fast course 
and it was like um, what do they call it? a race or something I think it was called so it was like like an apprenticeship course okay. even though I was always like quite tall so I was never I was never really intended to be a jockey but I just did I think a two week course for the crack in um, probably in my leaving cert year like probably before I finished or did a leaving I think and then they called X amount of people back to do the I think it was a nine month course down in um, it's just outside Kildare Town right so I did that I got called for that and I did that and it was a bit of crack like and I ended up in Dermot Wells so I worked there for I'd say about seven or eight years right and I was in Mygler stood down during the winter a few times just breaking yearlings and did what happened then with the like how, how did you what, what made you decide right well professional gambling is the way to go forward was there any reason why like why you got out of that sort of horse well, industry and went into it um, well I always liked betting so like even when I was younger you'd go to um, our annual holiday was like the Galway races right and Salt Hill back then was a lot more you know like casinos and stuff like yes, that like yeah, all well, the little slots and that's where we went in their holidays every year <laughs> Salt Hill and that was the highlight ground slots think, yeah slots. there's a lot more apartments and stuff there now yeah, like it's not yeah, the same yeah. but it's um but back then, that's what it was. And, you know, you wouldn't. You might be only betting two peas and stuff. But I, they had, one of the casinos then brought in this uh, little horse racing game. I think there was maybe eight runners or yeah, something like yeah. that. I know. It's still going. Colors. Still going. If you're, if you're in front of halfway, you had no hope. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> False. Yeah, and fun. you'd still fall for it. Going, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. They make a little dart. Up the one at yeah, the back yeah. just goes. It's like there's people underneath, I think. Yeah. But I was always kind of, even though I didn't do great in maths in school, <laughs> probably because it was boring but uh yeah i was always kind of trying to figure stuff out like that out like and i was actually in there i think i was about 10 and i was in the <laughs> casino i think i spent about three hours writing down every single result did you because, well i thought it would repeat yes i was yeah. i was thinking yeah. it was going to go like 500 races and then start again so i, I kept trying to look back to see was the pattern <laughs> coming again and again i think i spent the whole did day it? in there and i never did no way <laughs> i thought i was going to make a fortune <laughs> God, I never do you like to crack the codes? Do you, do you like them kind of things? That kind of puzzles? You like cracking codes a little bit, or a bit of? Um, yeah, well, I suppose now I'm more into like yeah. maybe trying like using data to, to come up with ways to maybe find inefficiencies in the market or something like that, rather than say code cracking and such. But yeah, it's a similar type of thing. Like, yeah, yeah. Like mm. you have to you have to use logic as well as just data yeah. to like. I think if you don't have a knowledge of the sport you're trying to model, you're just coming up like I've read papers on horse racing and soccer and stuff where you have um, people would, that would be way better on stats than me, but they come up with a model and you're there like, hey, you're never going to make money with a model that basic and that, yeah. you know, they don't because they don't really understand the sport, they don't know how to, you can only, the computer can only do what you tell it to do, yes. if you know what I mean, like, so you have to be able to tell it to think like you. And then get it to do that, and then that would work out. Like so, that's always a challenge, especially with horse racing, because there's the variables and unknown variables. There's so many. Like yeah, yeah. Uh, when you first went into gambling, had you already? You'd obviously already been gambling up to a certain level. So maybe in the background, you were you were happy enough at a certain stage that I'm, I can make a living out of this. It wasn't just overnight, boom, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a professional um, gambler. No, but it was circumstances as well. Um, I was... I had actually, for a few winters, uh, because Dermot Well is mostly a flat trainer, he does it a few jumpers, 
it would have been in the winter. Uh, he, he, he nearly always cleaned out every, every single stable in the winter. And uh, we'd, you'd hose them down and disinfect them and everything, like it would kind of um, protect against uh, getting viruses and stuff like that. And, but he also painted all of the boxes every winter. So say X amount of lads might volunteer to do the painting. And, uh, but we'd also, because there'd be so many horses gone home, they'd be gone home to their, you know, a lot of their owners are big owners and they'd have their own facilities for having horses during the winter when they wouldn't really be in full training yeah. and Mike there would always take their horses home during the winter and he, they might have I don't know what they'd have now but they could have had 60 horses but well like or something, or something around that like they would Mike there would also have so because they'd have their horses home they need people to ride them they would only have maybe four or five full time staff that could ride out like right. suddenly in the winter they have all of the horses back from well yeah, and they also yeah. have maybe 30 yearlings for that year that need to be broken in and, and ridden like off so a good few of us would go over every every winter and basically spend the winter in Mildar like and we'd right. go over and back every day Jimmy Feen used to actually drive down the back roads from thing to the to Mildar and um, but sometimes I actually moved home then to Leakstead because it was so handy because I just get, could get the bus in yeah. and get picked up there yeah. but uh, so that was good crack and I had actually left Dermot Wells, I think. I think I rang him up and said I wasn't coming back. And I was going to work in Mildare for a while. And that was when I... I think it was... It was, yeah, it was, it was the morning of... Because I was always telling the lads in Mildare when I'd be over there that I used to be always sick um, for Shelton in school. <laughs> oh. So I'd be telling them how I came down with a mysterious uh, <laughs> cold on the Monday of Shelton every year. And uh, I was only telling them this a few days beforehand. And then suddenly on the morning of... It was Easterback's last champion hurdle, the one where he actually pulled up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was 2001. And uh, I came in, like, I went in and I had um, a really bad pain in my uh, chest. And it had happened to me before in Dermot Wells and it was a collapsed lung. And I, I, it was quite painful when you're riding out. Like, but I, it, was, it was the same side. And I, or no, it was actually a different side. But the other side had happened twice and I had surgery on it. But it was a different side. But I knew the pain and I was pretty sure that's what it was. Like. Yeah. And, um, but I went in and rode out a horse anyway and it was, it was sore. And I was I'm going home, like, I have to um, get this checked out. And they were, of course, yeah, the boy who rode both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what time was the first race? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I actually went to the doctor and he said, it's probably a collapsed lung. He says, do you want me to bring, um, <laughs> that bring an ambulance to bring it to, to A&E? And I'm there. Um, actually, I'll go in myself later <laughs> on. <laughs> <laughs> About halfway. So I, wait, I waited till the last race before I went in, but it was, it, it was a collapsed lung. But it wasn't actually too bad that time. It was... <clears throat> It was down, but they didn't need to stick tubes and all that in. It was just, um, they were able to get it back up by just sticking a needle and that in. But I was, I never went back to work then after that because I'd already been, Bedford was around and I was already making some money on Bedford. So okay. while I was off, I just kept doing so that. This, that was your opportunity to just yeah, say, right, and then yeah. I just was making it was money. It a side so project I, that eventually just, became. Yeah, I just said, I'm not going to, I never went back, so. Right. Uh, so how did, how, how did you get the... How did your lung collapse? Did, did they, they explain? They it? say uh, tall and skinny that it can happen without like an impact. Oh, I'm alright, Tom. Yeah, well, they used to call me Streaky Shanahan, so <laughs> it didn't happen. Anyhow, so gambling. I, I mean, if you look at, at, at gambling now, it probably it's nearly a, a people use it as like it's a bad word. Why, um, why do you think that is? Like, I mean, I suppose it's is, is this PC Ireland just gone mad now? Well, it, it, it's totally gone mad, yeah. Um, with gambling, like, there's obviously people that have problems gambling the same as people have problems with alcohol and, yeah. and other stuff mm-hmm. that you can do in moderation. Um, 
so yeah like I think people always like to blame somebody else as well you know I like, think that's what it is yeah. you know it's always it's never their fault kind of thing but because, because when I said that I said listen we're going to get a professional gambler on and you're going oh well you know gambling you know, and you're thinking hold on what, what? there is no problem mm. with gambling it's legal you're allowed to do it everyone does little bits here and there and as you said there, there is some people who, who suffer for it, but there's people who suffer from everything, you know, sniffing glue. But yeah. we get the, the mentor of glue in or whatever like that. It's not <laughs> going to be a problem, you know. So I, I, I don't get it. I just think, yeah, as you said, people are looking to blame well, someone else. If for, everyone for did their betting the way I do, they probably wouldn't have a problem with it because they probably wouldn't have bookies. Well, one, they'd be pretty winning. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but as well as that, the problem is that you're making impulsive decisions and you're you're uh, chasing losses. That's that's what a problem is when you're gambling. Like mm. that's what that's how they run up debts and stuff like that if you're actually if you actually learned um discipline and only to bet when you think that the price has more chance of winning that's that's a totally different thing than Mm. chasing money and thing and if they actually learned that well then maybe people wouldn't have a problem now i understand some people will always just won't be able to do that like so you can't like if somebody has a problem gambling you shouldn't be telling them to gamble like but is there is there ways potentially and I suppose uh, I think what a lot of them really love poking at is the online side of things is there ways of potentially safeguarding because obviously there's so many programs now and they can see people's betting history and stuff is there ways of not, not necessarily blocking them halfway through but is there a way of even just posting up something going he's gone a bit mad, more mad than usual today is, yeah. can we put up a warning thing is, do We're you think given, there's ways and means of but there's definitely the, the software bookmakers use to stop people winning money off yeah. them and closing accounts of anyone that looks like they might they can have they the do technology for the opposite they're, they're supposed to do it um, they all have uh, I think what you call exclude programs where they'd uh, you, you could self exclude or you could say I'm only allowed to lose X amount and mm-hmm. all of this so they have things like that um, they're supposed to monitor it to stop people that they think are suspect but like I'm not going to go into them but there's yeah. been cases where they've been found not to maybe have done as much as they should have done with yeah. a few recent cases of I think there was a postman that lost a couple of hundred thousand and another one I think I was reading one there recently as well about somebody else like and it looked like you know there was findings that the bookmakers maybe fell short in their uh, yeah in their uh, what they should have done maybe their responsibilities for a thing but yeah. like I think now it is becoming more of a thing and like, there was even because um, I seen uh, some tweets last week or the week before about a responsible gambling week or something and they were promoting it and there is probably more legislation and stuff now that to, yeah. to make them do it like which is which is good obviously because because like even if you were reasonably good at gambling if you just have one or two mad days you could lose yeah lose a lot like so yeah and I mean a bad day as in not like everyone will have a bad day like I have bad days gambling but I mean a bad day in that you were doing stuff that you shouldn't or that you didn't wouldn't have planned to do that morning yeah yeah, in yeah. Other, like chasing loss there needs to be a plan like, yeah, there yeah. needs to be a plan they had a discussion on and you can try your headphones on there Declan they yeah. had a discussion on Radio 5 Live about gambling and sport and they say it had reached its tipping point let's have a listen what do you make of what seems to be a really big number and a growing number of young people who are betting on football. Well, uh, I, I'm really concerned. <laughs> I have to say, I, I think uh, the kind of world that young people are growing up in these days, um, we, you know, the presence of the internet, the use of the internet, 
Um, the relationship between gambling and sport seems to me to be reaching a tipping point, particularly for football. You know, nine of the um, 20 Premier League clubs uh, have shirt sponsorship um, by um, gambling businesses, most of which I would say actually are outside of the, have their businesses outside of this country. Um, but, but nevertheless, uh, our young people are, are, are frankly finding, I think, through this process of, of the intimate relationship between football and gambling, gambling is becoming normalised. It's every day part of young people's lives and, and, and it's a little disturbing to hear the story you've just heard where you know gambling is, is now being used quite naturally to sort of hedge against their, their disappointment of, of a team losing and, and, and I, I can't I, that, that cannot be healthy <laughs> What do you make of that? <laughs> Discuss um, <laughs> like is, I don't know who he was or like it was no, a, no, it was a, it's a I don't know, from a psychologist or something oh. like that that was on Five Live. There were having a few people on at the, at the time and they were bringing in and out different people discussing uh, gambling. Uh, but is it that, like, I mean, it, I'll see uh, Bet365 on, is it Stoke? I'm not sure who, Stoke, I think it might be Stoke's yeah. jersey. It doesn't necessarily make me want to go to Bet365 and gamble. So is it just that everything now is made more available in everything? Computer games, everything is made more available and easy. You can play people online and on. There's more access and easier to access. And it's just maybe these people who have these compulsions, it's just made it easier for, for more of them to, 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 to access them. Is that a possibility, do you think? Or do you think that there shouldn't be gambling on football jerseys and et cetera, et cetera, posters in, in near schools or whatever it is? No, I don't see if if something is legal. I don't see why you shouldn't be able to advertise it. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah. It's the same. Like, it, like it's bad in in horse racing in that nearly an awful lot of the revenue comes from bookmakers. Like, so it's not. Um. From either punters' losses and also then from sponsorship from bookmakers. Like, so racing probably relies too heavily on bookmakers. Yeah. I don't know if there's a whole lot they can do about it. Like because, um. You know, the ca- in other uh, countries, like in America and stuff, the tote would be well, tote is what what you would bet at at the track. Yeah, and it's uh, like um, they, they they give out whatever twenty percent less what they take in, or depending on the market, the, the percentages will be different. But it's you can't take a price as such, like with a bookmaker at seven to one in the morning, and you're betting against an odds compiler or whatever. This would be a set thing, like if everyone evenly backed. 10 horses in the race the payout will be even like it's it's mm. based on the amount they take in and in a system like that racing could run it and they would take they would be able to self-fund then but that's never going to happen over here and, and nor do I think it should be like we're yeah. actually better off like but it yeah. does mean then you're dependent on levy schemes and stuff like that to get money back from what the bookmakers would ma- make on racing so but like regarding the advertising and stuff I don't know I think if something is legal you should be allowed to advertise it. Like, I know they stopped, say, cigarette advertising where you can't, I don't even think they're allowed to brand them anymore, are they? No. No. And I suppose cigarettes are legal, but they don't want people doing it. But gambling as a, as a pastime, taking out people who have a problem with it and end up doing stuff they shouldn't do, which is the exact same as somebody that ends up being an alcoholic. You're not yeah. going to ban drinking from everyone, are you, because no. of that? So I don't see that much difference that way. Like, it's just, just people with the will of issues, but it's not... 
a reason to stop the 99% of people that don't, that don't enjoying yeah. it. Like. Yeah, and I think that's, I think they, I think you're right, whether it's 95 or 96 or 7 or 99%, the majority of people, I think, do gamble mm-hmm. safely. It's just, yeah, uh, and there it is, is a only, lot of hard luck stories. And it is only fivers and tenors, and they watch their match, and they might have, like, I think I watched, was it Chelsea and Man United there a couple of weeks ago? And geez, you'd have to have a bet to watch it like it was that bad. Like. Well, the, la- <laughs> <laughs> the last bet that I had was uh, Spirit of Rosanna, which I, I uh, who raced. Uh, you had him at 10 to 1, I believe. I looked on your site, I said, ah, I'll throw a tenner on him, and I won 80 quid. And that's the last one I won. And I had a nice little uh, night out on 80 quid. So, <laughs> But that's... You know, being able to just throw a couple of quid yeah. on something and then forgetting about gambling if that's the way yeah. it is. And that's generally where most people are. You're a little different. We'll talk after the break. We'll talk about your website and, and, and so on. OK. Broadcasting to Lucan. This is Liffy Sound. 96.4 FM. And welcome back to the big kickoff at Liffy Sound 96.4 FM. We are heavily in discussion here. <laughs> About the cinema. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we should close cinemas. <laughs> so, this, Declan, so how do you make gambling profitable for yourself? Um, well, for I, from the start, I was betting on Betfair, which is a betting exchange, and uh, I've done betting on uh, BetDAC as well, which is another betting exchange. But um, so that was my way of making money, and you don't get. Um, I did open bookmaker accounts at one stage, but like they lasted various lengths of time but not that long but if you are betting like for for a living you're betting normally much bigger stakes than what an average person would be betting is is betting and it means that even if you even if your bookmaker hands didn't get closed you wouldn't get the stakes on that you would want with one bookmaker like so yeah it was never i never really i just opened when they got closed uh, it didn't bother me that much uh so I was, I was, all my betting would have been on the exchanges where it's, uh, you're basically betting against somebody else. It'd be like you taking uh, Spurs yesterday and me telling Harrison we're going to beat them. Yeah. And we had a bet on it. And Don't tell me you backed Spurs no, Arsenal yesterday. I didn't. I didn't back anyone in it, but um, I was surprised Arsenal bet them as well. As yeah, I think for everyone it was. It, yeah, was, it was. It was a big Because it wasn't, it wasn't just they got two goals out of nothing. They, they pretty much dominated. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, for betting, what was I talking about? It's between two people in the betting exchange. Yeah, yeah. So um, you'd have to normally agree in a price, like the stock exchange, buying and selling shares. It would be very similar mm. because you're uh, you're coming Betfair, the exchanger, or the middleman, and you're meeting at a price for say um, Arsenal yesterday, maybe two point four, like yeah. eleven to eight or something like that. And then at that point. That's where the the markets meet, and you can either back or lay it at maybe two point three eight, and yeah, you could back it at and lay it at two point four, and basically they're matching people. It doesn't necessarily have to be one person. It could be you could have a bet, and it could be ten different people matching it. It could be a hundred, or it could be one. Like, but they're basically the middleman to get people in the middle at a at a fair a price that both people are happy to have a strike a wager with opposing right. wagers. So right. would you would your ratio in relation to backing and laying on is a fifty fifty, or would you back more so than you would lay? Um, mostly backing, yeah, and it's mainly because of the way. Well, like I, I'm doing now, so like, because I was never able to take it. Like the one problem with exchanges is that there's great liquidity in the hour and two before the off but in smaller races and during the week and stuff they wouldn't be in the mornings and 
you would often have horses you would fancy and then watch their price come in without getting any money on it and I opened the premium service on my website, uh, premium advisory service, I think four years ago. And that is basically my way of getting money off the morning prices with bookmakers. So, like, I could go around and try and get or recruit people to put bets on for me. And I would obviously not have to pay tax on that. And I'd probably make more money, but it would also be an awful lot more work. Yes. Liaising with so many different people. Whereas. Now I, I people join up and they're a member and it's a lot easier like the accountancy of it and stuff like that like and that's done like extremely well like. Right. You um, said you were uh, you 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 worked through Betfair. Uh, I read an article and said you paid commission to Betfair. I think it was one hundred and twenty five thousand for a year or something like that. What, what's that about? Or it was an Irish independent. Interview. Oh yeah, that was that was two thousand and eight. It's a good yeah, few years ago. Yeah, I would have been betting a lot bigger then in a different type of way because um, I was betting to kind of uh, stake stake wise, as in money would be a lot higher, but profit margin would have been a lot lower. Right. Like for instance, now like my premium service, I think the ROI is on all bets over the four years is twenty point five percent. Um. But it wouldn't have been doing that. When I was betting on Betfair back then and turning over huge sums of money, it would have been, I was probably making 3%, maybe 4%. Right. Which means you end up paying quite a bit of commission okay. versus your profits, if you right. know what I mean. Okay. Like, All right. um, so, yeah, I would have paid that. But they actually have a thing now where they charge you a premium charge if you've made over, I think, a million pounds lifetime on Betfair and um, you haven't paid, is it? 40% of your profits in commission so if you'd made a million if you haven't paid them 400 grand in commission they're going to bring it up to 400 grand okay right. they don't do it retrospectively now but from that point forwards yeah, you yeah. will be liable for everything you make to have paid at the end of that week to have paid 40% of that in um, not in uh, in commission now it, if you lost one week it, that would be offset the following week so you won't just get done for 40% on your good weeks like, yeah. but it basically means they're going to make 40% of anything you make and their theory is that it, it costs them so much money to replace losing punters for winning punters okay. to take their money like so right. I don't know so it's a tax it's yeah well it's I, like they are entitled to make money off you yes. like if, you, yeah. if, you're, if I'm making good money on it they're entitled to, now 40% I think is a bit steep yeah steep um, so what's Sports do you back on? Is it? I did read it's mostly horse racing. Is that still the? Be mostly horse racing. There was a time I made uh, money on soccer, like good money on soccer, but um, that was back probably, I'd say twelve, fourteen years ago. And I mean, you didn't have to be that scientific with right. it. So it's, is horse racing more predictable than other sports? Is, is that why? It's not more predictable. Soccer would be better for modern, but that's the problem because you have. Like there's at least there's one at least one probably more than there's more than one but there's one like uh, Tony Bloom he actually owns um, a few racehorses he had a big winner at Ascot recently and he won the Cesarewitch as well like they have um, a big operation and I think it's Brighton like he owns actually he owns uh, Brighton Football Club okay. but they have a big operation that they have like they'll be getting like top lads from college like doing quants and all of this like and the models they'll build and the, the, the people they'll have like and then plus they'll have the like I was saying you do need the people that know the sport as well but yeah. if you put all of them together they like they have clients that will pay them a lot of money for like their prediction of say the odds and stuff like that in premiership it just means that on soccer the odds are so so accurate right yeah. that without their type of technology they're very very hard to beat like yeah. now but 
14 years ago that wasn't the case like. no and, and I think there's a there was a programmer called uh, Tony Ansel who said he made 750,000 on backing on Scottish games from Division 2 uh, bookies he said were lazy as 42% of away teams won uh, that year and the odds they gave were ridiculous because yeah. just purely because it was away from home and they were given so he said he had a bumper year that year yeah. so <laughs> they Tony Ansel says so many things does he there's a there's an account on Twitter called Aftertime in Ansel so oh is there <laughs> I, won't, I won't say anything else <laughs> <laughs> but that is probably true is it I, I have no idea no idea but, but no idea about his particular um, but that would have been it would have been it would have been a case that like, I, I was making money just from um, using uh, I think a spreadsheet using like poison distribution which is kind of follows how goals go in soccer matches but there's a draw effect as well but like that's pretty easy to adjust for and then just using the the midpoint of you know um, spread betting where they, it's more like a line like so yep. say they'll go a quote of say 2.6 to 2.8 goals and you can yeah. either buy high or sell low uh, using the midpoint of that as a as a kind of a goal prediction for the match so I wasn't even doing my own work at all right. plugging that into my model and then basically betting on the over and under markets and in running a match is betting on either a goal or no goal to be scored but like 99% of the time it was no goal to be scored because it was like Back then, there was a massive bias in the markets towards people who would only back what they wanted to happen. Right. So nobody's sitting there at half time. It's five to one for no goal. They're laying it because yeah. they want to watch a goal go in. Like, but mm. I'm there backing it because it should have been four point five or something. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. So like last night's game with Atletico and Real Madrid had nil nil written all over it. Really, um, I think it's rare though for them to be nil all well Atleti- now, Atletico haven't Atletico, this, Atletico year, yeah. uh, this is what I would say no I didn't back because I don't really back but I would have seen it as Real are shocking at the moment and Atletico are well they're talking about selling Griezmann to Barcelona so they're yeah. obviously not confident in their ways so that's I would have seen that as a very tight game I anyhow. actually backed Real um Last night. All oh, right. <laughs> but I've had I've, the last. So you're say, what you're saying to me is, why are you so confident? <laughs> no. Th- well, the last few years I've, in that fixture, because since Simeone has taken over, Atletico have, I think, went from not beating Real in something like ten years to they bet them like four times out of six, yeah. and mm-hmm. their Real have beaten them like not much over since Simeone has taken over at all. Like apart from the Champions League finals, they've they've done poorly against yeah. Atletico, like especially yeah. in the league. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, but I actually think this year Atletico are playing like a mid-table team yes. they're like I, I do stuff like um, they're going a little bit back to reality almost yeah but well not even reality because the reality was for so many years yeah. you could say that it was their new yeah. level like but this year they're, I use like expected goals and stuff like that which takes into account the position of a shot and some of the more sophisticated models the amount of players around the ball as well like the pressure on the ball and this year Atletico are playing like a a mid-table team or worse even yeah. on that metric whereas Real are playing probably as good as normal the only difference is they're not finishing Yeah, they've scored something like I think nine goals less than their expected goals would have them scoring uh, this season and it's basically Ronaldo, Benzema and them just missing chance just after a, chance and like. Bale being out but like things like that is generally streaky and luck and it doesn't continue it's like it continued for Leicester for the whole season but where they actually everything just went in like but would you have got in on Leicester at all that year no I would have never backed like no. there was, I don't think there was any point until about two weeks ago to go that I thought they could win it like <laughs> to be honest right until the end none of us did so your premium service what is the what, what roughly do you provide for your members when they join for the premium service well now basically during the week it's just uh, between 9 and 12 in the morning um, and I'll just send the tip it'll be 
pretty like uh, brief the the stake the price the book is it available with um, and I also include like a minimum price that it would have been a, a premium bet at now I've, I've also like since I've started I've done like a few festival packages because I have a website like shetlandtips.ie as well and I think it's um, five winning uh, Shetlands out of five or five out of five or six out of six of 2013 14, 15, 16, yeah, five out of five and like the profit margin is very high so premium members obviously get that as well any of them things and I've started a Saturday service then which is basically a Saturday only thing and it's the same as the premium except for I'm including the analysis that I'd include with the festival packages that I don't during the week because it just wouldn't be possible if you're interested in 20 horses to have write-ups ready to go for all of them when yeah. you're busy looking at prices and mm. changing things like so I just do it for a Saturday but premium members get that so like since the premium service has started in October 13 the profit including everything they've got which is the festival packages and obviously the Saturday which is included in both is 1,618 points and that would be like 40,450 to I recommend like 25 euro a point stake because it's a stake that everyone should be able to get on with every bookmaker if they have an unrestricted account yeah. so it's, yeah. it's a reasonable stake like and um, but that that would mean like your bank would have increased by 1,150 percent or so since okay. now that's if you get every price then nobody's going to get every mm, single every price, price advertised yeah. because they won't have all of the accounts they um, they're not always going to be getting on instantly but like mm. I have a profit target which is 80 points profit target and I work out that on the price five minutes after the tip was sent now on average yep. people should be able to do that and in none of my figures I don't count best odds guaranteed either like, yeah yeah. and how much is the su- subscription? Um, I have a monthly of like, oh crap um, <laughs> I think because including that it works out about 166 a month I think yeah, for the email and the profit target would work out at about 480 something or 490 for yeah. 80 point profit target which means you keep going until you've made 80 points profit target on the five meter price like and then the saturday service that i started recently is 15 euro plus fat mm. for just saturdays like it obviously made saturdays is the best day for betting and it's yeah. like i found i had people that premium members that were with me for a while and work commitments meant that they couldn't get bets on yeah. during the week um, so, but they would be joined for festivals and for Saturdays and stuff like that or like other people obviously can't get a bet on during the week because they've had their accounts closed and so, so does, your, does, does your membership go up in around Cheltenham? No it doesn't like I, the premium members will get any of the, the Shetland Festival packages. No not, 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 your, not, your, not your actually fee your actually membership do people actually more people uh, come Premium on members not so much but like the last few years it has gone up after Shetland because we've done so well each year that <laughs> yeah. some of the people that joined for the festival yeah. packages yeah. thought you know they were going to get 33 to 1 winners every day of the year, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. all year round but like, in, like they do well overall but yeah. it's not like the Shetland results I think I don't know it's about plus 50 or something percent ROI like, that's not okay. sustainable long term like before we go into the, the top three, um, what tips, general tips, would you give the normal punter, or, 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 or a tip, one tip that you would give the general uh, average day punter? Um, well, like you're betting against other people, you're betting against the market. So to beat the market, you either have to know something that the market doesn't know, or you have to analyse it better than yeah. than the market. Now that's going to be hard in something like soccer because, as I say, that there's people with a lot of money behind them and 
a lot of the right people like technology wise to build stuff to for their markets but like betting on if you were betting on soccer maybe, maybe betting a market that you know not the match odds markets because they're so hard to beat like maybe betting something a little bit more obscure like but yeah. for, no matter what you're betting on you have to like for horse racing I'll analyse I'll analyse data I'll watch races but I'll watch races not with a I won't see a horse like coming home that was a really unlucky loser and he got out and he flies home and he's unlucky but everyone in the world can see he's unlucky like yeah he's going to be over bet not under bet the next day because everyone thinks oh, he's a lucky loser I'm going to back him I think people in general overreact to nearly practically every bit of information they mm. get like mm. um, which means that if something is blatantly obvious that's a positive it's actually a negative bet in the next day because they've they've instead of instead of it being 2 to 1 they back it into 6 to 4 yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean yeah. like and so I think you have to look at stuff in a way to try and find something that won't be spotted by by the mass by the masses really because you have to beat them like so yeah. but as well as that when you're backing something it's kind of like if you were buying a car a second hand car and this car your man is offering it for five grand and like everyone else with the same mileage the same thing it's ten grand and you're there like the guy that just goes out and buys that car for five grand it, it looks good on paper but <laughs> nine times out of ten there's something he doesn't know yes it. and yeah. I think it's the same in gambling it's not enough to think. Like I, you should always put a price on something to have a bet. In other words, if you think a horse should be six to one and you're getting ten to one, yeah, back at a ten to one. Because if you're if you're good at estimating odds, even if you're only as good as the market, yeah, if you're if it's somewhere in the middle and it wins at twelve and a half percent or something like that, you'll make money backing at a ten to one. But I think you should always ask yourself as well, why am I right and they're wrong? Yeah, mm. because if you can't answer that chances are the market knows something yeah, that you yeah, haven't you've yeah. missed you haven't yeah, accounted yeah. for and I think that's probably about the most valuable bit of advice I could give anyone like that if you don't know why you're right then you're probably not like yeah yeah okay so we gave you three imaginary cards uh, we call it the big three uh, under my skin card thumbs up card and the puzzled card What's your under under my skin card? What what what, what, what <laughs> bothers you? No, this could be a long one. Normally, our one. Uh, this is this is pretty lame. But um, <laughs> commentators in soccer, right? Right, I love it. When a guy takes a shot, he goes for the top corner and it just goes over the crossbar, or he goes for power and it doesn't hit the target. And yeah. they say you've got to hit the target from there. Yeah. <laughs> and there's one, like, I think Jerry oh, Armstrong... Six inches lower would have been in the top corner. Yeah, well done, yeah. genius. <laughs> yeah, but it's, you've got to hit the target. Their thing is always, you've got to hit the target. They, they, and, uh, Jerry Armstrong um, on Sky is the worst <laughs> he for got I think He got he, battered during the week. He got no, battered for his commentary. Yeah. Oh, I, he, he, was, was biased. he was biased. He was biased. Yeah, he yeah. was very biased. But, but I think he thinks the objective is to actually hit the target. Like, does he not know why... Like Messi, I think has hit the post more times than any player. Yeah, because that's what he wants. But he's to going do. for the corner. Like he's yeah. trying to score a goal and not hit the target. Like oh, he shouldn't. And I don't. Um, I, 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 it shouldn't. It probably shouldn't drive me mad. But every time they say it, like no. because they could say it twenty times a match, and you, you're starting to wonder what the objective is. Like there's loads of little ticks <laughs> that commentators do that all hate us, and that's that's your one. That's brilliant. I love. But that. then when they do take a weak shot straight down the middle, your man says, "Ah, he's he's got to do better." With that. Like, that was too easy. Yeah. For the or the yeah. one that won't. Oh, you just think it over the top. Ah, <laughs> he's got three milliseconds to come up with an idea. It's like sometimes it just doesn't come off. There is an element though of correctness about that saying I mean yeah. if, if it isn't on target you're l- less likely yeah. to score but what you're saying is is that 
obviously he's not trying not to, <laughs> to hit just graze the bar. Yeah. He's yeah. trying to do everything in, 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 as you said, it could be a weak shot. So he's not making sure it's not a weak shot, but because of this and the pressure that's been put on him, mm. he's, he's and they're, the they're not hitting it. Like if you're going to hit, if you if your objective was to hit the target, you're going to hit it straight down the middle. Yes, light. Yeah, um, but that is, but the way they say it, it's like as if they make out that. You know, it's not about scoring goals. It's actually about hitting the target. So what you're, you're saying from an analytic point of view, that if he was to hit the target, the, 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 the best chance of it going in is, is down the middle rather than going to the corners because it's obviously a harder shot. Well, the best chance of hitting the target would be down the middle, but not yeah. going in because normally that's where Correct. the goalie is. But yeah. obviously Correct. it would depend on a lot. I of like that. that. Yeah. <laughs> the thumbs up card. Okay, thumbs up. Um, well, in horse racing, like, uh, you probably know, like, we're a bit stone age with data um, there's stuff like there's countries there's really small race nations that have had a sectional timing which would be instead of just an overall time breaking it down into maybe furlong by furlong splits yeah. mm. for a long time like in America have always had them as far as I know Australia have had had them for years maybe not as much as in, Austra- uh, as in America but in Britain and Ireland we just we just don't until recently um, at the races with, uh, I think it's uh, Arc, I think that's what they call themselves. They own about five, six tracks, maybe six or seven tracks in England, and their tracks, yeah. in conjunction with At the Races, which is one of the TV channels. Yeah. Um, they've been doing section t- furling by furling section times now for, I think, seven tracks. And for people that don't understand them, like there's people that have been racing all their lives and they just say oh you don't need them use your eyes but like they're the type of people that will just always get left behind and mm. and you know they won't be able to cut it like you should use everything like I've the phrase you can have too much data I think is utter nonsense yeah. like mm. if you don't mm. know how to use it yeah but if you can never have too much because if you think it's no good just don't use just it don't but use you should, it, if, yeah. you, if you should always analyze it to see is it anyway. never close the door and in racing the extra info that sections can give you is absolutely huge because like like I said about a horse flying home earlier when mm-hmm. he was boxed in there is if you're watching that with the naked eye you, everyone normally puts him down as unlucky but he's he's only really unlucky if when he was boxed in he was going too slow yeah but if yeah. if, the, if the horse is in front if they were if they was this, um, a race and at the time of, the, of that they were after going a really good pace the, the leaders had kicked on for home and then finished the last two furlongs really slowly so in other words say between the four and the two pole yeah. they picked it up and used nearly all their energy and then the last two furlongs were a crawl in that scenario being boxed in would probably be good because it would have been stopping the jockey doing something stupid like yeah. the rest of them yeah. are doing and, but you can only know that with breakdowns of a horse's right. time so it's given time we have enough data to analyse it and people can put it like ATR actually and that's why I'm giving them a thumbs up is on their website they have got like optimal times um, and I know the guy doing them and he's very good at it like he's done articles Simon Rollins he works for Timeform but I think he I'm pretty sure he's done their helped them with their optimal times and they've colour coded it as in uh, slow very slow even fast very fast for each furlong right so you don't need you know to be an expert in it to just follow to that read it. so it yeah. can improve anyone's race reading just by looking at it and they can see whether the horse was making ground in the fast part of the race or the slow part oh, of the right, race right. because it's, it's you're using less energy making ground in the slow part than you're in the fast part mm-hmm. so it can help everyone and it, it's bad that in places like Ascot and Royal Ascot and they've some of the best racing in the world and they've no sectional times right I think they think like what colour hat an old lady's hat is more important than actually <laughs> yeah, timing yeah, the races yeah. like, but and which royalty is in on right. the day yeah but uh, 
stuff like that like it's you should be able to analyze the race and and, and it, for like the youth of today are coming up more on data and, and stuff like that like and in racing we up until now we just don't have it like and, yeah yeah and maybe having more data and making it more available will make people less people think because there is like a consensus out there that racing is fixed yeah and it yeah, is yeah, yeah. it's um it's corrupt and stuff and like there's a small Do you think there's any element there, there is an element of it yeah especially at lower grades there would be more but it's it's so much smaller than people think like yeah 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 yeah, yeah. okay you know, so it, it it certainly makes your job easier then yeah it may, like but see i could take my owner and there is uh places you can get like times of just finishing times but it makes my job easier but it makes the data more available i still think that i'll be better at analyzing it than most people so it doesn't bother me that it's out there if you know yeah. what i mean but does more information and more data like that does it and and for you and and and, and people like you makes it every every bit of information makes it easier for you to to, to analyze and what have you does does that have a counter effect does it do bookies reduce their odds because there's more data coming out? Remember, or? they have it too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So they shouldn't because if they employ guys that are able to analyze it, they, it shouldn't bother. The prices should be right. The right odds, yeah. yeah, they should still be somewhere around right. Like so. Okay, that's the thumbs up. Puzzled. <laughs> okay. Um, oh God. I don't know how people even compare Messi and Ronaldo. I don't know how it's even. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the only the only thing they're close on is I think they've scored. Messi has scored maybe two more goals than Ronaldo since. The 2009 10 season, yeah, but in everything else, Messi like plays midfield, attacking midfield or winger and forward for Barcelona. Mm. Ronaldo's turned into basically a hatcher, like, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, and yet they're still giving him Ballon d'Or. But like, I call him PR7 because that's all it is. He hired a, P- <laughs> he hired a PR company to basically win oh, a Ballon d'Or. Like, <laughs> <yeah? laughs> we're gonna be friends, well, um, but I, I just in everything else, like in, in assists, in key passes, in accurate long balls if you use like who scored which is very good for stats like that um, in in passes Messi like has about twice as many games as Ronaldo which just shows you how many phases he's contributing yes. in but yet he still scores more goals than him like so he, it's same. So effectively he's in different areas he basically plays with four job. different positions and still plays one position better than Ronaldo plays it like I, I don't even think and then I, when do you ever go wow with Ronaldo yeah. very rarely yeah. Messi makes you do it about 10 times a match like. yeah. Yeah. and yeah. It's, so there's not, I don't even know how it's an argument then <laughs> I know people that are class is intelligent. I don't know if they're trying to wind me up or what. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't get it. I don't even get how it's even close. Like, like I think if you're doing a job interview, you should be able to ask people Messi or Ronaldo, and if they say Ronaldo, just you just get rid of them. Get rid of them yeah, like, you're an idiot. This is more what gets under his wick. I think. Yeah, yeah. It was it was definitely a candidate for both. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'll agree I think I, 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 it convinces it more for me because for a lot of people it is a question of taste between both of them which is the like it, that's what it comes but that's a bit more factual it's but on what, what argument I've never heard them give me a logical argument yeah, I, Bernardo, 100%. Like, I, I can't I can't even think even if I was to put myself in their shoes what I could come up with like yeah. and I'd be bullshitting like, right, I couldn't okay, come I up with anything like that <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't get it he yeah. can't understand it <laughs> you have to help him just, uh, a, just a quick one to finish up right obviously the Cheltenham season is starting and a lot of the boys are coming out now is there any one or two horses that are kind of not the famous ones that everyone's going to follow within an inch of their life to, ch- to Cheltenham that keep an eye on or throw in the uh, early I'd probably be the wrong person to ask at the moment but I, do, <laughs> I know I, I do the Cheltenham website and I do jump racing on a Saturday which is good but like most of my betting is the flat racing because yeah. one it's, I think it's far more competitive yeah. I think yeah, yeah. a lot of the midweek jump racing is is crap like it's yeah, just right. small fields of horses some of them haven't run in ages yeah. and like Sheltenham is brilliant as it is it has caused a bit of a knock-on effect with the rest of the season in that 
and I think there's too many races as well. Like you have Willie mm. Mullins winning grade ones every weekend at four to one on and stuff like that. It's just yeah, yeah, yeah. I like Gordon Elliott as a challenger now in Ireland. So Is there anyone outside better. the usual Willie Mullins ones at the moment that people are starting to whisper about that could come in and break the mold? Um, there's there's nothing. No. Like uh, there's nothing that I'd be confident to stick your name to. I wasn't even thinking of them, so it's not really on my yeah. um on my head this morning. Like I, the jump season for me, the flat only finished last weekend. I'd be kind of getting your head around it, getting my getting my head around it. And as for looking at, like I wouldn't have even watched a lot of the you know the promising novices and stuff. Yeah. I'd I'd rather like I normally take if I was doing Shetland betting, I'll take them fresh. A lot of people have preconceived ideas about horses straight away. This, that's good. This, that's bad. And sometimes mm. it can be hard to change them. Mm. I mightn't have watched their three races and then they're suddenly running in a good competitive race and I'd mm. study the form from scratch then and work my way back and make my own mind up about how yeah. that first one was, which could suddenly, you know, horses can get big reputations from winning very easily in very uncompetitive yeah. races just because they looked impressive and there's not much substance to the form, if you know what I mean. Like, so... Um, I don't generally. So no, you don't have them. I wouldn't be betting on them because they're not competitive enough, and yeah. I don't generally watch them until I need to watch them. Yeah, yeah. Well, if anyone wants to know any Cheltenham tips, cheltenhamtips.ie. That's it's not yet. It's not yet though. <laughs> and uh, learnbetwin.com, which I, I, I'll vouch for. I'm not a premium member, but I've, I've been looking at it for the last. When did I contact you? Probably a month ago, maybe a little bit more, was it? Yeah, and uh, it's it's de- it's definitely worth a look. So anyone who's out there, have a look at them, and uh, please remember. Oh, to bet responsibly. Bet responsibly. Yes. <laughs> uh, Declan, it's been a pleasure. I'm delighted right. that you came yeah, in. Thanks, right? Thanks very much. much. See you after the break. <laughs> 